Well, good morning, everybody. It's great that we get the opportunity to be family. And on Father's Day, where we have been reminded of our amazing Heavenly Father, it's also good that we can be family together before him. And I just want to say a massive personal thank you. Um, Jonathan just shared that we've raised nearly £23,000. You know, closing the gap on one level doesn't really do justice to what this is. Because it's not just about trying to make up a difference. This is about making a difference. This is about investing in the kingdom. And some of the things that we started the year sharing with you about, we we invested in a new youth pastor, we invested in our work with the poor, we invested in our work overseas. We also said that we wanted to build new partnerships in different places, of which what's happening with Bogota is part of that. And you have got the privilege with us to go on that journey before Jesus. And so I just want to say, thank you so much for what you've given Thank you so much for the way that you have raised your level of giving and just given the best that you can give. And I I just want to thank you for that. And um, one of the things that we wanted to do was to make sure that when we take things like community centres, which the the council, um, under, I believe, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, whether they knew it or not, they have released to us this opportunity of running two community halls. And we get the privilege of being good news in our town and releasing the power of the gospel through those things. I don't know about you, I'm excited about that. And I I pray as a church that you will know that this is what we're part of. So we're not closing a gap, we're making a difference. We're holding the line so that we can go forward. That's what this is about. And I just want to stir faith again. Keep on going. And maybe some of you haven't given into that offering. Do you know what? Although it's over, it's not over. It's never over. Because there's always an opportunity to go further and further in the purposes of God. So I want to stir faith in you for that. I'm really excited. It's amazing what we're getting to do. Okay. I'm going to um, try and preach. And um, we're continuing our look at what we're calling the series One New Family or Characteristics of Being One New Family. You may remember at the start of the year, we looked at the whole idea of um, being the family of God and why we are this one new family in Jesus. We went through the book of Ephesians. What an amazing series that was. We've kind of come through Easter and looked at how it was all possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. And now we're looking at various characteristics of being this amazing one new family in Jesus. And this morning I'm going to read from the book of Joshua. And um, I'm, I'm not calling this a particular characteristic other than we as the family of God are on the Lord's side. That's what we're called to be. <laughs> and it's from that place that we get to be the family of God. So I'm going to look at that this morning. If you want to follow the passage, I'm reading from Joshua chapter 5, and I'm going to read just through into the beginning part of chapter 6. Those of you who have never read the Bible before, the book of Joshua is in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible. It's the fifth book. Uh, Sorry, it's right, fifth book. I'll get it right. Sixth book, sixth book, I'll get it right. I'll get there in the end. The sixth book, and it it tells the story 
of how the Israelites, having been set free from Egypt, take the promised land that God had given to them. And they're led by an amazing leader called Joshua. And I tell you what, I love reading the story of Joshua. I encourage you to read through the book of Joshua. It's an amazing, amazing book. It's almost like the book of Acts of the Old Testament. Just quite incredible. And I'm just going to read from chapter 5. And Joshua's near Jericho. And it says this, When Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence. Actually, it says in other translations that he worshipped. And he asked What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march round the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. I'm going to stop at that point. You can read the rest of how Jericho fell. Those of us who grew up in Sunday school We'll know the story well. We've probably acted it out. We've all marched around buildings, haven't we? Trying to be quiet. And then on the final one, seven times, giving the shout. And of course, we know that the walls of the city fell down. But we leave you to read that in your own time. Each one of us, I believe, has a Jericho. What do I mean by that? I mean a seemingly impregnable walled city that is completely shut up, completely seems impenetrable to anything that we do, and it needs overcoming. Every one of us has a Jericho equivalent in our life. We can't go back, neither can we go forward until that Jericho has been faced and conquered. That's what Joshua had right before him. They were in the promised land. The land of Canaan was before them. God had promised to give them this land full of milk and honey and a good place to live, an inheritance for them. 
But to get into that place, although they'd started to cross over, they had to go through this city, Jericho. It was a fortress. It commanded, as it were, all the kind of territory that they needed to get into. And so Joshua had to face this city. And it was a very, very impenetrable city. It had walls that were... So people have suggested 14 feet thick. It had sloped walls that were up to 35 feet high. It was a very imposing place. And Joshua needed to take it with the people of Israel. For each one of us, our Jericho might be different. Maybe for some of you, it's your job. Some obstacle, some individual, some project. Maybe it's a lack of job. Maybe it's finances. Maybe that's your Jericho. For others of us, it's a relationship. Various issues that need sorting. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your children. Maybe... It's your parents or some family member. Others, it could be that you're sick. You're battling illness right now. That's your Jericho. Maybe it's the stage of life that you find yourself in. What lies ahead? Do you know this week I've had the experience of caring for parents who no longer have the strength that they once had. It's a change of life. It's a difficult one, isn't it, to come to terms with when you have those that you've often looked to, to look after you, you're having to look after them. Sometimes the Jericho is a loop that we get stuck in. Do you know, I've I've been spoken to a lot by God about what I call loops, cycles that we get stuck in, that we just go round and round and round and round. I hate loops. Do you? Do you hate getting stuck in those places where you just can't get out of them? God doesn't want you in loops. He really doesn't. But he does want to bring you into a new season. Because his season is always new. His season is always a fresh place for you to have breakthrough. He doesn't want you stuck in a loop. And as a church, we maybe have some corporate Jerichos. To face. I really believe that we, we need to see a greater breakthrough in the people that come to know Jesus. We need salvation to break out amongst us on a greater level than we've ever seen. This nation is desperate to know the good news of Jesus. And we need to be a church that are on the front foot with the gospel. We need that Jericho, that kind of fear, that sense of can we do it to come down. As a church, we need to break through in leadership. We need leaders in all sorts of places. I'm not just talking about what we do up here at the front, but in so many places across the church. We're a millimetre thin in places. By the grace of God, he keeps us going. But we need to got to break through and raise up many more. From younger generations to the, to the very senior amongst us. It's not an age thing. It's an availability thing. God is wanting some Jerichos to fall. 
and we're praying about finance. We're praying about revival. We want that. God has promised. We want to see breakthrough. Whatever it is, we need to see those Jerichos come down. And that's for us as the family of God. Here at the end of chapter 5, we pick Joshua up, having to face Jericho. He's a growing, confident and godly leader, just taken over from Moses, one of the greatest leaders in the history of the people of Israel. And he's beginning to take the promised land. He's inspired them and motivated them by God's grace to have confidence in the Lord. He's even got them to do some pretty incredible things. If you just read the few verses before, he's got all the men to be circumcised. That takes motivation. Because they hadn't been obedient to the Lord up until that point. He then gets them to celebrate the Passover. This is, this is a great leader. He's done amazing things. But now, Jericho. And, and I, I'm pretty sure that he's, he, he realizes that this is a big thing. This is a big challenge. He can't go back, but he can't go forward until this is dealt with. And I just, I, I need to say this, because I think this is the prophetic thing out of this. Some of you need, even now, to face your Jericho. You have been running. You have been hiding. You've been burying your head in the sand. You've been trying to pretend that if I just ignore it, it will go away. It won't. But God's grace to you is this, that you can take Jericho. Your Jericho, our Jericho, can fall through the grace of God upon us. That's the prophetic. That's the prophetic. So what does, Jer what does Joshua do? Well, <laughs> he's been told to be strong and courageous. Don't you just love it when you're fearful, when people come up to you and say, be strong and courageous. You know, it's great, it's true. We need to hear that. But sometimes it also, we, we feel the weight of those words. But real courage, as we know, is not the absence of fear. It's acting in spite of the fear that we feel. That's amazing, isn't it? We can get to do that. That's what God gives us. He gives us the ability, even sometimes when we are afraid, to do things that actually we think we could never do because he's with us. That's amazing. And that's what Joshua starts to feel and understand. And it says in verse 13, when Joshua was near Jericho, I can imagine what he was doing. He was, he was going for a little walk just to eye up the city. I can see him probably, I don't know whether there were any bushes, but I could see him kind of in the bushes, kind of perhaps lying down in the bushes, thinking, well, what am I going to do here? How am I going to get into that place? And as he's kind of contemplating and maybe thinking, what's the battle plan? He looks up. Those are very powerful words. You might think they're just describing something of what he does, but it says, he looks up. When you are in a place 
of Jericho before you, what you don't actually need to do is to be looking at Jericho. You need to look up. And who does he see? (laughs) I would have loved, well, maybe I think I would have loved to have seen the captain of the army of the Lord standing there with his drawn sword. Wow. An impressive sight. And Joshua, being a soldier, jumps to his feet and says, Are you for us or are you for our enemies? I just love it. Neither. But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I've come. And at this point, Joshua is completely undone in whose presence he stands. Suddenly Joshua realises and he falls face down to the ground and he worships because he suddenly realises he's in the presence of God Almighty. And we're told that he kind of reverences this man. He doesn't know who he is. Do you know, we, we, we kind of can't be 100% sure, but we're fairly confident that what this man is, is the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus before he came to earth. You see, Jesus has existed for all eternity with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And before he came to earth, he was there. And this is one of those moments where Joshua gets a glimpse of the captain of the army of the Lord. Wow. In that moment, Joshua's focus is lifted away from all his anxieties, all his problems, onto the God who is mighty to deliver. And I believe there's a key here to our victory as the family of God. You know, one of the things that we, and don't miss here, we often get so bound with the stuff of life that we forget that there's a God who is bigger than the stuff of life. It, you know, don't miss here. It's okay for us to be able to share and be real with one another about the things that we go through. But if our preoccupation is always on those things, we will never get the breakthrough that God wants us to have. Because our focus in those moments needs to be that way. We need to look up and we need to see the Lord of hosts. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. You see, what gets your gaze gets you. What gets your gaze gets us. And Our gaze has to be in those moments of crisis, those moments when it feels, I don't have the answers. I don't know what to do here. It's not that we don't feel. It's not that we don't have these things going on within us. But our gaze goes on Jesus. And I'm, church, if we get this, we get the secret to being one new family who conquers in the name of Jesus. This is the difference. Feelings are very much 
in fashion within our culture. Feelings are important because they are part of how God made us. But we have elevated feelings to the level of almost being godlike. And therefore, what I feel determines the way that I act. God says, no, 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 no. That's not the way that it is for my people. It's not what you feel. It's what you see. And it's what you know from me that determines the way that you act. We have to shift. We have to shift the culture. This is what Joshua saw. And it would have really, really encouraged him. But you know, one of the things that he would have also been really helped by was that it wasn't just that he'd been given a promise that he was going to step into the promised land and conquer it. Do you remember right back in chapter 1 of Joshua, it says, Be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you. He'll go with you wherever you go, wherever you put your feet. He'll give it to you. He, he's had promises. But this time, it wasn't just a promise. He had the presence. He had the Lord there with him. Now, Joshua lived in a time when he didn't understand what was going to come later in the purposes of God. We live in a time where we know the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit all the time in our lives. So not only do we have promises, but we also have the presence. And it's the presence of God that brings those promises to life. I don't know about you, promises are great. They are great. We need to believe promises. We need to act on promises. But isn't it wonderful when we know the presence that releases power into those promises? Kind of that's what we've been living through over these last months particularly. It's not that it's never been there because it always has been there. Because The presence of God has been promised with the people of God. And so we've lived in that place. But do you know, there is more of that because God wants to release those promises with fresh power. And it comes by his presence. He's with us. And the captain says, I have now come. <laughs> Do you know what I, what I love about this is that Joshua didn't even have to invoke or ask him to come. You know, sometimes, forgive me, I'm not, I'm not being trying to be critical of anything at all this morning. I'm just trying to help us to understand how it works. Sometimes we'll say, oh Lord, please be with me in this. Please be with me in this. And, and yet, what we see here is, I've come. In other words, Joshua didn't even need to ask him. He was there. The Lord was there. Let me tell you, he's there. He's here. Okay? He is we can, look, we can ask him to come. It's not a problem. But you need to know, he's here. He's come because he wants to be here. It's not, oh, crikey, these people are asking me to come in. What have I got in my diary? Oh. I am with you always. I'm here. I've come. Whatever you're going through right now, he's come. He's with you. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on, church, wake up. Come on. And you see, this is always God's strength to us. He's come. He's here. He releases his presence and that activates his promises. I love this. I think this has been a verse that has come through in the last few weeks. But Isaiah 43, fear not, 
For I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. That's how we conquer Jericho's. Because the Lord is with us and he has come. Do you know, I, I know how the presence of certain individuals makes a massive difference. Um, when I was a young lad, first learning the game of rugby, um, we had, in the first year that I was at senior school, quite a good rugby team. But the only reason we had a really good rugby team was because we had a secret weapon in the name of a man. Well, he was a boy at that point, but he looked like a man. His name was Wayne Warfield. And Wayne Warfield, at the age of 11, was six foot, and he was shaving, all right? I am not joking, he was shaving. We were all very ashamed when we went in the showers. Okay. But the thing about him was, he was so well made that we used to give the ball to him, and he would run through all these little kind of ants of boys that were trying to hold on to him. And he was like dragging them by his legs. You know, these 20 or so, so it seemed, little boys that were behind. But I tell you what, when Wayne was in our team, we had confidence. The thing was, he never grew again. And so by the time we got to the sixth form, he was one of the smallest in the rugby team. How much more with the captain of the army of the Lord with us? I, I just love that. And then Joshua says, whose side are you on? <laughs> are you with us? Or are you with our enemies? He says, neither. And this is something that we also get to learn. It isn't about whether God's on our side. It's about whether we're on his. It's about who are you following? Who are you lining up with? And what, what Joshua had to do was to understand that it wasn't about... God blessing his plans, it was about him lining up with God's plans. And one of the things that we often need to learn here when we're going through what I call these Jericho moments, whether it's as a church or whether it's in our individual circumstances, it's not, Lord, will you bless me and help me sort this out? Well, that's right, that's okay. But it's more, Lord, what are you doing here? How do I line up with you? And how do I get caught up with what you're going to do in this place? That is a radical shift around of how we often 
treat the things that we call our Jerichos. What Joshua shows us here is that we are on the Lord's side. And we line up with everything that he wants for us. And sometimes that is jolly inconvenient. But it is the way that we break through. Now look, listen, I'm not saying it's wrong to say, Lord, will you come and help me? Will you come and bless me? Nothing wrong with that at all. But even greater than that is, Lord, what are you blessing that I can get behind and actually I can come with you in what you're doing? That's even more important. And I believe that God would have us just line up with him even again this morning. What is it that he's doing? What is it that you need to ask, Lord, how do I give myself to follow you? How do I give myself? Even though right now I feel completely broken, I feel as though everything around me is falling down. It's a bit shaking. Lord, what can I do as I come and line myself up with you? How do I fall on my face before you and worship you and say, what can I do? It's not about trying to do things for God. It's saying, I'm getting in alignment with what you are doing. It changes the way that we deal with these things. And from that place, Joshua then receives what he needs to do. But the first thing I want us to get out of this, and probably the most important thing, is that as God's people, we don't jump straight into action. The first thing that we jump into is worship. The first thing that God calls us to do before he asks us to get caught up with what he's doing, and there's plenty for us to get caught up with, by the way. The first thing that he asks us to do is to worship. That's what Joshua did. He falls down and he worships. He gets his gaze off Jericho. He gets his gaze onto Jesus. And he worships. And I want us to be aware that that's the plan. And it continues to be the plan right the way through to eternity. There are only... A few things that we ever get to do all the way through this life and into the next. But worship is one of them. And so it will always be on the agenda. And what I mean by that is, I don't just mean, obviously it's important what we do on a Sunday. What we do here is a part of us worshipping Jesus. We do it because it, it pulls us in from the world and, and actually says... Get our gaze on Jesus so that we can focus on what he wants to do and we can get our alignment again in the right place. But the whole of our life is to be an act of worship. John chapter 4 says that the Father is seeking worshippers. That's what he wants. And so I, I, I want to kind of leave you with this. How is your life reflecting that you are a worshipper first? How is your life being lived in such a way that when people look at you, they say, do you know what? That person is a worshipper of God, is a worshipper of the Lord Jesus. It's not just about the de demonstrative things that we do in worship. It, that's part of it. That can be part of it, but it's not 
the heart of it. Actually, it's what's going on here that overflows in the priorities that you make in your life. One of the things that has happened to me, and I think it's probably the biggest thing that's happened to me since I've come back from Bogota on many levels, is that I cannot begin my day anymore without making space, not just to welcome the Holy Spirit, but to worship Jesus in some shape or form. My wife is probably absolutely round the bend with some of the songs that I use to actually worship Jesus, because many of them are in Spanish, um, just to help you, all right? For me, it's where I've learned to draw strength from getting my gaze on Jesus. And it has transformed my world. And I want to say to you, if you ignore that, you will be ignoring one of the greatest weapons that God gives you to bring breakthrough. And that's why I'm saying what we've done this morning is important, but it's only part of worship. Every day needs to be a day of worship. A day where you make space to give adoration and praise and thanksgiving to the God who gave it all for you. And do you know what? He's so wonderfully creative. He says you can be creative in the ways that you do that. You don't have to do it my way. Praise the Lord. But there are ways that he gives to you to strengthen you and focus you for all that is ahead. Church, I want us to wake up in worship. Not to see it just as the musical bit that we do, as important as that is. But to see it as everything that we bring. And, and, and if... Look, if you go away from this message and you just get that, you will have got one of the big secrets to breakthrough and living on the Lord's side. Please, will you take that on board? Please, will you do it? Let me ask you the question, will you do it? Because I really believe it will change the atmosphere. You see, one of the things that worship does is that it, it causes the enemy to flee. It causes the enemy to put his hands over his ears or whatever, so he can't do anything else. It's one of the areas where we soften the atmosphere for whatever God wants to do. I just want to say to us, if we get this church, we get a massive breakthrough. And I, I just pray that you will take that to heart. And then finally, what does Joshua do? When he's worshipped, he says, Lord, what is it you want me to do? I'm here. And the Lord says to him something very strange. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Now, I don't know whether you thought about this, but you see, Joshua's thinking about a battle. And he's probably thinking that God might say to him, okay, get your armor on. Keep your boots on. Get your shield ready. He says, no. <laughs> Take your shoes off. Take your shoes off. What's that all about? It's an expression of being open and ready and holy 
in everything that he did. We need to understand holiness in the Bible is primarily what God does for us rather than what we do for God. I'll say that again. Holiness, being set apart, is primarily about what God does for us rather than what we do for God. So taking off his sandals was a way of Joshua saying, I want to be set apart for you, Lord, because you're setting me apart right now for your service. The fact that the Lord said, take your sandals off. I am calling you now into my service. I'm setting you apart. I'm putting a new thing into you that will change your perspective on everything that you do. And I want us to understand that the Lord calls us in the same way. Through Jesus, it's been made available for us to be set apart for God and for his use. But it comes through us kind of taking off our sandals and making our heart ready for everything that he wants to bring to us. It's a heart attitude. It says, here I am. Lord, I am here for you. I'm set apart because you've pulled me apart from all those around me and said, I am here for you because you have set me apart for yourself. And right now, I do believe that God is calling out to some of you and saying, you need to take your sandals off in response to what I'm doing. You need to make your heart ready for everything that I'm about to do because I have set you apart for my purposes. You're no longer your own. You no longer belong just for your desires and what you want. You're set apart for me and I'm asking you to do the things that I have called you to do. That's what holiness is. And I'm calling you to be a holy people. Yes, it will overflow in things that we get to do. But it comes, first of all, out of a heart that is open and ready to be set apart in the purposes of God. Let me ask you a question. Are you ready for that in your lives right now? Are you ready to be set apart? Because that's what he's done for you so that you no longer belong to yourselves, but you belong to him. And therefore, whatever he says of you, you will do. That's what Joshua was going through in that moment. Being set apart so that he would do whatever God told him to do. What we're very good at, church, is cherry picking. We pick the bits that we like and we miss or leave behind the bits that we don't. That is not God's purpose for us. We are set apart so that we will do whatever he asks us to do. And we know what happens. Joshua then gets given these very precise instructions. Kind of weird instructions really. A fortified city, you walk around it. And then you walk around it seven times. Then you give a big shout and the whole thing comes down. Wow. Amazing. But you see, that's following Jesus. 
That's being set apart to do it his way. It's being set apart so that you will do whatever he says. And that does mean that we need to change the way we live. But it overflows out of a heart that has been made ready for whatever God wants. I'm asking you, what's in your heart right now? What God is saying to you is that he's calling you to step in and be available to him for whatever he wants you to do. And if you put yourself just like Joshua did into that place, you will see incredible things. You will see Jericho's opened up to you. You will see promised lands conquered in the name of Jesus. We'll see breakthrough. We'll see things happen that we'll only have ever dreamed about or maybe read about perhaps on a scale that we've never ever thought could be possible in our own lives. It's the same God. The God who stood before Joshua is the God who is here today in a greater measure through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the work of the cross because Jesus has been raised to life again after conquering sin. Hallelujah. That's an amazing thing. Why don't we stand up? I just want to give some moments right now for you to respond to that. And and maybe some of you are aware of those Jerichos, those things in your life that you, you just know you've got to face. And I, w- I want to give an invitation for anybody right now who knows that they need strength and they need to get in a line again with the God who's called them. I want, I want to just give you some moments just to come to the front and I just want to pray for you. So just come right now. The stuff that you're knowing right now, you've got to respond to in this message, whether it's about worship, whether it's about your heart being in the right place before Jesus, whether it's about kind of knowing the Jericho and the fear that's there, but you know God's calling you to deal with it, just come right now. Just come. Can I just invite our musicians just to come up as well whilst that's happening? Thank you. Jesus. I have to make it a little bit more space here because a little bit more of a... That's right. Come into the centre. That's it. That's great. Okay. All right. Lord Jesus, we, we bow before you in worship. And we say, thank you that you have come. Thank you that you are here right now. And Lord, we say, here we are to worship. Here we are to bow down. Here we are to say that you are our God. And I pray right now, will you release grace and power and authority into every life that stood here before you right now, every life that's sitting down before you. I pray, Holy Spirit, release that fire of, of, of revival, that fire of holiness, that fire of breakthrough into every heart and every place right now. 
Lord Jesus, our heart is to get in a line with you. Lord, we're sorry where we've just come and asked you to bless our plans when actually you're saying, get in a line with mine. Father, right now, we say we want to follow you and we want to be obedient to you. And Lord, as some of us get the opportunity to go to the land of revival right now, I want to pray that those who are, who are here would prepare hearts for what you're going to bring. Because I know you're going to release the promises that you've declared over us, that we will see revival, not just in this church, but in our town and our nation. And I say right now, ready hearts for that, Lord. And we say, I'm set apart for you because you've set me apart for yourself. Every life here, Lord, is saying they are available to you. And I pray right now that you would release the Holy Spirit's power on everyone here. I pray, Father, that through this, every Jericho that stands before us individually and as a church would fall in the name of Jesus. It would fall in the name of Jesus. And I pray right now, let the fire fall on us. Let the fire fall on us. Let the fire fall on us. And Lord Jesus, I pray we'll never be the same because we've met with you. I pray our hearts will be transformed through worship and through believing what you've declared over us. Let us be a family who are on the Lord's side in every place. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's, let's just worship as we stand here and as we just receive.